Awesome. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today on the Inflow Experience Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Austin. And congrats on uh, this is your maiden voyage into the podcast world, right? It is. It is my is my first go around. So you know, take it easy on me. Don't uh, don't beat me up too much. Now I'm just hey, the pressure's all on you. I'm the one that just has to answer <laughs> questions. You have to come up with thoughtful ones. So we'll we'll, exactly. we'll see what you've come up with today. Hopefully, nothing too personal. No, 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 nothing too personal. But I actually do want to want to start with with a personal question. You know, really excited today to talk to you a lot about just the contact center ecosystem, right? Contact center technology and operations and, and how businesses are thinking about that today. But before we jump into that, uh, I know I'm curious, and I'm sure there are other people out there. You know, Ken, what was your very first ever job? And, you know, thinking about that now, many, many moons later, what, uh, what did you learn the most from that, you know, looking back on it? Many, many moons later. I mean, what, what are you trying to say there, buddy? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how far back you want to go, but I won't bore you with the details of all the jobs I had as a teenager. I mean, a family of seven, we learned to work hard early, so I had a lot of those jobs. But probably my first, you know, le- legit job, I would say, you know, out of high school, it was, uh, I went to actually work for uh, uh, the phone company at the time. It was um, in the Bell system, and it was um, in, in large part because they they had a tuition reimbursement program and it was a good way to pay for school. Uh, but I was actually a, a phone operator. Such a thing did exist back then. Um, and then from there, you know, got exposed to a lot of different opportunities. Subsequently, ATT with divestiture, got exposed to a lot of different opportunities there. And uh, you know, I think part B of the question was, you know, kind of, what I learn or take away early on, um, I think it's to raise your hand often. You know, um, I've always had a certain hunger of learning new things and being exposed to new things. And some people describe that as getting bored easily. And so, you know, uh, needed to change frequently, but uh, did a lot of different jobs, everything from, you know, what I would call entry level stuff to operational stuff to analytics, um, Went and worked back in New Jersey for a while, um, punched that uh, uh, ticket a little bit, and then came back and got into sales. So, yeah, all that kind of in the span of about five years early on and then stayed in sales there uh, pretty much ever since. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's awesome. I had no, I had no idea about that phone operator. I will, I will remember uh, that now. Every yeah. time I look at you, that's, that's the new association. I mean, don't think, of, don't think of the old <laughs> cordboard stuff. That wasn't it, right? I mean, thank heavens it was a little more advanced than that. But uh, yeah, it was, it was certainly not uh, challenging mentally, but, uh, but it was a good start. That's great. That's really, that's really fascinating. I, I, I enjoy that backstory. Thank you. What, when, I guess, when did you get, start getting into, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll call it, you know, the contact center, customer experience, ecosystem, and, and realm? Well, you know, I mean, contact center, as we know today, is very different than what people would call it in the past. In the past, right. it was, you know, like a call center, and nobody really had high expectations of call center support, other than you hoped you got a, a live person to help you through issues, and that person was generally hobbled with you know, the inability to access relevant data to help solve the problem. So I, I would say really it's about <clears throat> probably 10 years ago, um, I was um, running sales um, at a telecom company and we had to go out and do diligence to select a new platform for, you know, the company itself. And so 
Adam Rennert, who, um, who was obviously part of the company, he and I worked together for a number of years at a few different companies. We seemed to kind of follow each other around. And I asked Adam to go out and run some diligence on vetting a few platforms that would meet our requirements. And uh, that was really kind of the big exposure. Like I say, that was probably 10, 10 years ago, um, yeah. about that time. And what we found was, I guess, that, that there was a whole new world of technology out there. I mean, and to think about it 10 years ago to where it is today, it's totally different, but it was actually really cool technology back then because it was starting to get away from premise-based solutions and introducing other ecosystem technologies that would complement the core platform. And we looked at it and uh, you know, said, he came back, gave me a full readout of the various options. And we, and then kind of sidebar later, we said, you know, this is, this is pretty cool stuff, right? To, use a technical phrase, uh, <laughs> that, that we felt had some really big upside because companies have always struggled to find the best way to interact with their clients in, in, or their partners or whatever it is. They always struggle to find the best way to do that, the most efficient way to do that, the seamless way to do that, that would kind of protect the history, that journey that they went through. And we said, this has got some big upside. And that's when, um, you know, we left corporate world and, and start a little company. That's really cool. That's awesome. I, I think that's great, you know, and, you know, just the history from 10 years ago to today, it, it makes a lot of sense. And even for me, someone who's been, you know, in Flow CX for a little less than a year at this point, I can, you know, I can really start to see that now that you're, you know, talking about the story, where we were versus, you know, for when you and Adam first started versus where we are today, it's great. And, you know, you said something there about, um, you know, businesses having a hard time or, or really trying to figure out how to connect with their partners, how to, you know, connect with their clients and things like that. It's one of the things I know that in consulting, you've got to really have a great balance, right? And how, how do you find is the most effective way to balance the, you know, the customer, the tech partners have a great relationship with all of them all the time. And, um, you know, you're in this, this really unique position. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I would say the important part is to <clears throat> make sure that all the stakeholders are at the table together. Um, you know, even even today, you find companies that try to solve for things in a vacuum. And so all the key people aren't represented because mm -hmm. the needs of an IT group, the needs of a business owner, a business operator, a business leader, the needs of a, a CFO, the needs of fill in the blank, right? All of them should have some influence on what the ultimate outcome looks like. But you found in the past that people try to solve for those things independently. They go meet with this group or meet with this group, meet with this group. And then or they wouldn't even meet with all the groups. Right. It was traditionally an IT. And that was, you know, that's an important part of it. But but that should not be the group informing kind of what the go forward strategy or platform or technology should look like. Certainly need to be part of how to support that, deploy it things like that. So I would say it starts with identifying the key stakeholders and then the process needs to be very collaborative and transparent, right? So eliminate the, the fiefdoms that people try to create uh, in, internally there and just say, here's, here's the outcome that we're working towards. Right. Here are all the people that need to be part of informing what that looks like and then get them all together and then collectively inform what it is that we're trying to accomplish, what it is that we want it to do, what's important, not important, what's important early, what's important later. And and we we found early on and, and by virtue of really just being that 
that was always, I think, certainly my philosophy in the past is that, you know, the, the, the best thing you can do in any client engagement is, you know, have bigger ears than a mouth, you know, and, and just listen more. And, and, you know, we, we did that and that was the approach. And, and there were very few people out there doing that at the time. And so I think that really differentiated us at the time and enabled the business to kind of take off the way that it did because it, it did grow rapidly in the first, you know, seven years of the business, especially. Um, so, yeah, I, I would to summarize all that. That was a mouthful, but summarize all that is, is make sure that it's a very collaborative and transparent process um, that, that you listen and appropriately challenge when you should, because yeah. the fact of the matter is, you know, we talk to clients all the time and we say, listen, you may go out and run diligence on something once every three, five, seven years. You know, we do that many in a week, right? So, right. Yeah, so trust true. that we have some some decent perspective and context for that process. Right. Hey, look, we're the experts here, and it sounds a lot like you know, a big part of the you know the role that that we play, you know, as a consultant is, look, we want to get everyone on the same page and get everyone out of these silos and working together once we identify that common goal and you know, kind of common go forward plan. Well, and then you know, it's important to kind of establish what success looks like as well, because too often people, you know, go in myopically with just solving for a problem, right? Well, that may solve for a problem, but there's so many other things you could get out of the technology. And so for, for us, it's important on what does success look like, you know, on day one? What does it look like six months into it, one year into it, et cetera? And that's why you know, as you know, our model is not only do we support that early stage engagement on running the diligence and vetting the appropriate technology, but we assign, you know, customer success managers on an ongoing basis to keep our clients, you know, on, on the leading edge of the new technologies that are being deployed or how people are consuming the technology in interesting, creative ways. And so uh, we view it as is really, you know, a sustained engagement model, not just, all right, we helped with the selection. Good luck. Uh, yeah, there's, there's value in that, but, but certainly not as much as there is on a, on a sustained basis. I, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? I can, you know, you can help someone pick something, help them make sure that they're making the right decision initially. But as we know, you know, with, especially the way that the technology is today, there's so much more you can do. And I appreciate the, the CSM team shout out there near and dear to my heart, obviously. Thanks for that. Um, so over the last, you know, maybe three to five years, Ken, a lot has changed in, you know, contact center, but especially, you know, when you start to talk about CX and, and some of the different things and capabilities that are coming to the table now, what do you think has changed the most and not in terms of the actual technology, but the way customers think about some of, some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's um, <clears throat> as as much as anything. Well, I'd say a few things. One is customers want you to, and this may be overused, but meet them utilizing the technology or the method that works best for them. I mean, I'm a guy that doesn't necessarily want to talk to somebody. And so I love a lot of self-serve. Oh, that's, well, that's, that's great. I'm glad we're on this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I mean, listen, for you, I'll make the exception. But, uh, you know, it really, there needs to be some sensitivity of how clients want to interact with you. And, uh, you know, for me, it's a lot of online self-serve chat. Um, but if ultimately something fails, I need to be able to talk to somebody and I want all that work and, and, and data capture 
that's existed at that point in time go to a live person so i don't have to you know spend five minutes or so re-explaining myself yet again right so i i, I think i think that's uh that's certainly a big part of it and then you know the, the the other part is probably that you just need to you know be be sensitive to having access to good data so it used to be the focus is purely on the end you know the end client in this case i'll use that term but you know listen it's important to to enable the the agents themselves with good technology because nobody wants to feel like they're they're hobbled in doing a good job and so it's easy to think what the customer wants and we should mm-hmm. but it's equally as important to think what the agent wants or needs to be successful at their job and so i think the technologies that are out there now are doing a much better job of addressing both of those things you know bringing together a positive experience for the client on the other end and bringing together a positive experience for the agent and then ultimately all that data is collected and provided to the company so they can improve right they can identify the areas of improvement so i I think that's it is you also focus on you know, both sides of that conversation, not just one. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that, you know, as an employee, if you feel like you're empowered to do your job, um, you have less of those moments as, of frustration, especially, you know, being a contact center agent, which is which is a tough gig, right? I think the more you feel good about what you're doing um, and like you can do it effectively, the better care you'll take about the end, end customer. So they definitely both go hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to do well at, uh, at, at you know at whatever they do, and you know we hear frequently, you know that that how important it is to provide the right tools to do that, and and so that's that's also you know the view we take going into this. It's you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, you want all parties represented in that diligence process. Well, you also want all considerations on what's needed on the client side as well as kind of the agent side, and I, I think we we done a pretty good job of that. We've got a great client of ours, a little over five years now, a BPO client, and, you know, their whole model is work from home agents and, you know, tens of thousands of agents. And um, it's important in their retention of these employees to provide them the right tools so they feel like, all right, it's easy, it's accessible, it provides the right data. You know, and, and because the worst thing that can happen is high churn, right? And and contact center agents traditionally have experienced high churn. And so it's important for companies. I mean, you think about the cost involved with that type of churn turnover in, in your agent community. Anything you can do to reduce that has a huge positive upside, not only from, you know, how they feel about their job, but financially to the company oh, as well. Of course. Yeah, it's expensive. I mean, it's really expensive to continue to hire and train. And of course, you hear the horror stories about, you know, man, we put these people through training, and then they quit and go find another job and go through that training and quit and go find another one. And yeah, if you if you can empower the employee to take care of themselves, make sure that they're um, able and to do their job and to do it effectively, it definitely goes a long way. Um, transitioning a little bit into, you know, back into kind of the, the customer mindset, right? Um, I'm, an, I'm an end customer, let's say, and I'm looking to do an evaluation of my current contact center and kind of customer experience strategy. 
you know, you said earlier it's really important to focus on the solution and really what the business needs. Um, what do you find is an impactful or you know the best way to to kind of do that to get everyone on the same page, right? Everyone has their own priorities and everyone has their their list and you know their things the most important and their things at the top. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into how that conversation goes with you know with the customer? That's like, hey, look. There's a lot of things that need to get done, but let's let's focus. Some people are going to have to make some sacrifices. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I think it, it starts with having a a repeatable process. So for us, um, you know, you don't you can't you can't approach everything in in the method of hey, let's just talk about it and figure things out along the way. You know, so right. we we've, we built a very you know repeatable and and now proven process that walks you through all the different steps of that journey, if you will, of selecting the right technology. And that's everything from informing current state to what the desired state's going to be involving all those key stakeholders. We have a very structured scorecard that captures all the requirements across an abundant number of areas. We also, with that, capture you know, the vast majority of the use cases for that particular client. And so when we do bring technology providers to the table to demo capabilities, it's not, you know, the high level, well, here's what we can do because everybody says they do everything. And, and the reality right. of it is that, you know, everybody does something a little bit differently and some fit others better. And so, you know, again, it's taking the time to capture current state, future desired state, specific use cases that are relevant to the client, right? So you look at that. Yeah. We also have a very robust financial modeling uh, process that we walk our clients through as well, because uh, ultimately, you know, there's always that consideration of costs as well as you know that return on investment. So we have a, a total cost of ownership model that we work through with our clients. So we can ultimately, and we frequently will will be the ones actually presenting to the CFO or CEO. Uh, on, on the final output. And so I would say, you know, the net of it is have a proven structured process that you s stay with. So you're not relying on instinct and, and well, I kind of feel like that's right. Um, you just want to eliminate the surprises downstream. And the best way to do that in our experience is, is to build uh, that, that, that type of a process. I, that's great advice. Keep it objective, right? Keep emotion out of it. Don't get, you know, subjectivity and, oh, well, this is more important to me, but this is more important to, you know, somebody else maybe. Um, well, I it, think it, that, it, you know, I mean, one, one example of that, sorry to interrupt you, but, one, you know, we, we see that all the time. And with the scorecarding process, we give all the key stakeholders that scorecard and we ask them to complete it independently and then we will complete it independently. Then we get back together and we say, all right, let's expose everybody to our individual scorecards. And um, and you'll have some people that'll say, oh, I really liked, you know, this company, Company A. I thought they were just great. And then you you dig into the scorecard and it's like, but they ranked the lowest, right, <laughs> of the others. Right. Well, but, you know, they just, they were really dynamic in front of me. I, that, that's great. That's important, right? Um, but ultimately, that that is proven to be very valuable because it does remove... I mean, we're all emotional people anyway. I get it. Um, but it, but it does reduce the margin of error on a technology selection. And so we, we have, I mean, that scorecard's proven itself time and time again to, to like, and then ultimately people sit back and like, 
oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. And then you've got, you know, peers challenging each other, like, you know, you remember that? And so, it, again, it's, it's a good process that, that works pretty well. That's great. No, that's ex exactly where I was going with it, right? You uh, think about how many times you've been on a call or a demo of any sort and, oh, it's going really well. I feel really good about this only to, you know, after a decision's made and, you know, you get into, you get into the weeds of it, you're like, oof, this is actually not what I thought it was going to be. And the scorecard eliminates that, you know, that risk from happening, right? Because it's just subjective. Did it, did it, you know, did it check this box? Yes or no? If no, great. It, it's great they made you feel good, but at the end of the day, uh, how did it, how did it work for you? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the client makes the decision, right? I mean, you know, kind of our mantra is we'll inform the decision, but you make the decision and we will right. play as involved a role as you as you want. And some clients at the end will, you know, they'll say, this is a toss up. What do you think? And, you know, because of years of experience that we have in there and knowing the kind of the, the intricacies that are all involved, you know, then we'll weigh in. Uh, but but we try to avoid that as much as possible because we want our client to really drive that process. That's great. That's good. I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. It is their decision. But giving them the tools and the resources that they wouldn't have access to otherwise is, I mean, it's great and it's really powerful for them. I think. The yeah. If somebody's staring for you know towards a brick wall, we'll 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 we'll, <laughs> we'll help you know pump the brakes a little bit. But uh, but by and large, it it. it it really does manifest itself through the process of what the decision is going to be. It's rare that we get down to the end and it's like, I'm not sure. Right. Extremely right. rare. Awesome. Well, great. You know, Ken, one, one last thing before, before we wrap up here, um, get your crystal ball out, right? <laughs> in the next, in the next three to five years, um, take about 60 seconds and tell us what you think the most you know, impactful change of contact center customer experience technology is going to be. Yeah, well, let me let me caveat the answer with I'm the least technical person in the company. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've not made a living. You know, being a real uh, technical genius. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a decent operator and and have a pretty good ability to to build you know top performing teams of people much smarter than me. So I'm going to answer this more as kind of what I see in the marketplace that's important sure. to, to, to uh, companies uh, that are out there. And it's, and I probably wouldn't try and narrow in to a specific technology component of what's going to really be game changing in the next three to five years. I think I'll, I'll steer it more towards an area within the CX landscape. And that, that really is the self-service and, and what AI will do to enable better self-service. So it, it used to be a lot of the focus was on the core platform, the license, right? The seats. Uh, and now it's the periphery of that ecosystem that's really game changing. So every, you know, everything on the analytics side, the workforce management side to AI, to um, RPA um, as well. And I think really the growth in the next three years is how all of those surrounding technologies are going to accelerate the complement of the customer experience. Now, that last phrase was a little cliche, but it really is. I mean, the more data we can capture and make it relevant to a real-time interaction with, with the client that's calling in, mm -hmm. the better off these companies are. And we're seeing massive leaps and bounds in, in that in that peripheral tech right now. So I think it's all going to be around 
improving self-service and AI and how that relates to continued self-service and you know helping companies more effectively manage that customer journey on a go-forward basis. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. We spend, I mean, Austin, I, you may know or may not know, we, we spend a lot of time vetting new entrants into this space a lot of time, right? And yes, because of our we reputation and because of our reputation in the marketplace, you know, a lot of these new launching companies will come to us and say, we think we have a good product. Here's what it does, here's what it looks like. And we'll say, great, you know, we'll stress test that. And so we'll we'll get under the hood and really dig into that. And so I think that helps us stay current, but also helps us to be part of identifying kind of future state in this CX ecosystem that we have. But, you know, Reverting back and answering your question in simple terms, I, I think it's going to be continued development on the technologies that surround the core CX ecosystem, with you know being heavily weighted on that uh, on the self service side for sure. Wow, that's great and really really insightful. And uh, you know I could definitely see the market going that way too. There's some really cool stuff out there already, and you think about how fast the world develops in general, right? The next three to five years will be will just be really fun to be a part of and. I'm glad to be a part of it, uh, and thank you, Ken, for being part of our uh, Inflow Experience podcast today. It's been a great, great conversation. Well, thank you, Austin. I'm, I'm pleased that you're part of our uh, part of the company and the team today. It's it's been a lot of growth over the last year, right? We we you know if you look at the company today, we're we're three companies you know that have come together all in the last year, and I would like to think that every acquisition along the way has complemented what I just described as kind of a future state of enablement. You know, we get better at these areas, better at those areas, and that way ultimately it complements what we do for our clients. So, you know, there's a lot of change. So if you love change, you're at the right company and in the right industry. <laughs> and I know you do. You and I have had the opportunity to, to, to speak, uh, you know, on a more personal level, uh, most recently in Arizona last week. So uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate all the work you're doing with that. Uh, with that client team that you're working with. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ken. Well, hey, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode now. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Have a great day. Cheers. All right.